we're four years in and we're pushing like 80 to 100,000 visitors a month to our website, which I think we're pretty proud of for not spending much in doing that. Hey, my name is Felix Tia. I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how to identify when your business model is good enough, the strategy this company used to rank on top of search engines without spending too much on marketing, and how they use virtual appointments to sell more products. Before our show, I wanted to chat about the storefront signage maker. It's an easy way for any brick and mortar shop owner to let your customers know that you are open, available for curbside pickup, delivery, online information, and more. Customize any message you like, automatically create a QR code for your store, then print it off from home. It's easy and simple to use, no design experience required. Create a sign yourself at shopify.com slash signage. Today, I'm joined by Jean and Diana from the Groomsman's Suit. The Groomsman's Suit makes high-quality suits and tuxedos you will own for less than the cost of a rental for the big day and beyond. And it was started in 2016 and it's based out of Chicago and is a multi-million dollar business. Welcome, Jean and Diana. Hi, Felix. Thanks. So the idea behind the business was born from one of you planning a 2013 New Year's Eve wedding. So tell us more about that. Where did the idea behind the business come from? Sure. This is... Jean. And the idea really came from planning my own wedding. And, you know, like most ideas, you go through an experience and realize, you know, that it really isn't the best experience. And those are the best, um, you know, moments to really uh, create a concept that will work for others as well. So when I got married, we, um, my husband and I just decided to do black tie. It was New Year's Eve wedding. And we, I, I sort of handed that job responsibility off to him with everything else that I was planning. And he went to the typical big box store and set all all of the nine groomsmen up with rentals. So um, it wasn't until after the wedding that I realized that each of the guys had spent around $250 for a one-time wear. And frankly, they didn't really look or fit very well. So that was sort of the aha moment of... um, Really, at first, it was like, what have I done? I feel so bad that I made them go through that experience and thought maybe I dropped the ball and just didn't do enough research to find out um, a better option. But after looking into it, uh, I realized there really wasn't a better option. And um, this is the process that most guys go through getting suited up for weddings. So, um, you know, I have a... An extensive um, product development, technical design background. Diana has an incredible um, business background. So we partnered together and decided to try to create a better option for men. Got it. So 2013, New Year's Eve wedding, 2016 was when a business launched. So I'm assuming during this time you were kind of planning this thing out. So tell us more about that. Like, what was, what were you doing during a time where you recognized that? there was a a problem that you had that you went through that you recognize other people had. And how did that idea actually start kind of getting traction? When did you actually start putting the kind of pedal to the metal and trying to pieces, make this thing a reality? A great question. So, um, a few months after my wedding, we were, um, my husband and I lived in Ohio at the time, Columbus, Ohio. And 
while I loved the idea of sort of creating a concept around this, it really uh, seemed a little bit daunting resource-wise. So um, a few months after my wedding, my husband received a promotion with his company and we moved to New York. Um, and so that's really when, um, you know, the resources opened up and uh, the possibility of developing this concept became a reality. Um, so it took a while to find the right production partner, manufacturer, the materials, and really um, fine-tune the product. Uh, what's really interesting is, is in the suiting industry, a lot, a lot of suiting that you find in retail shops, even still today, are wholesale products. So they're designer brands. There's huge markup um, along the way. And by the time it gets into the store, the customer is really purchasing something that's gone through layers of markup and margin increase. And so um, that's really where we, we realized there was opportunity to provide um, this direct-to-consumer um, option where we could find a supplier that could manufacture a really high-quality suit um, and we could retail it for around the same price as a rental. So it took a really, uh, it took a lot of time to develop the product. And that's really, um, that, that, that gap in time between the wedding and the launch. And then, um, you know, then, then it was about partnering with Diana to really build out this business model and find our customers. Got it. So you mentioned that your suits are priced at the same price that it would cost to rent one. Do you ever get kind of like incredulous responses from your prospective customers? Like, how can it be this? How can it, how can it cost this little for something? How do you, how do you overcome that? That was the number one barrier we had when launching. The first thing we always got asked is, do you, do you offer refunds for returns? Um, because I don't really trust that I'm buying a great suit here at, you know, under $200 price point. Um, so, yes, that was a hurdle we had to overcome. Very quickly, we decided the best way to overcome that is to, to really just say, um, hey, we'll, we'll ship you a suit or tuxedo for free. Try it on. Check it out. If you don't love it, you can send it back. Shipping is on us. So we launched a free trial. Um, which, you know, was an expensive test to do early on in a company's, in the stage that we were at, um, because we were really risking huge, a huge investment in shipping product that we weren't getting prepaid for like you would on a normal retail um, website. But we knew that if we got the product into people's hands, it was, they were going to be blown away and uh, they were going to keep it. And that's really pretty much um the key to our early growth was being able to ship out product quickly to customers that were interested, super low risk on the customer side, um, and then a huge reward on our, our end of, you know, people realizing that we were um, this great new option. Got it. So the free trial, which reduced pretty much really eliminated any risk for your prospective customers. And you mentioned earlier, the wording that you used was, was an expensive test. Is this no longer a common objection that you get from your prospective customers that they cannot believe that it is the price is at? I think customers are still super pleasantly surprised um, by it all. I mean, it was, I look, we look back on it. <laughs> 
And I think the reason why it was a part of the reason why Jean, Jean mentioned, you know, super expensive as you're starting out and you're building your company, like you are not very sophisticated and like, I mean, we're not doing this anymore, but like we were literally sending product out without having, you know, pre-authorized credit card information and all that stuff. But it was a risk that we knew we were willing to take mm -hmm. because we believed in the, the product so much. And I think um, we still have a super high conversion rate on those free trials. It's actually become, they've even become more important now that so many people are planning their weddings from home and COVID has prevented people from going into stores. Mm, makes sense. You definitely want to get into that in a second. So with the free trial that you were running, you mentioned that yeah, you weren't sophisticated, you didn't take a, a, a payment in case you needed, you know, for to, to charge them or any any other issues than that. What what's changed since then? Like how have you kind of refined this process? I think there are probably other listeners out there that have this similar issue where people just need to see it first in order to believe what they're purchasing and a free trial is a great, great way to do that. So what are some things that you've learned along the way that have helped you improve the conversion rate or the, the maybe even the process of doing a free trial? Yeah. So like we've built out, I think part of our success too is like offering services to our couples, you know, we're, we like to think that we're more than just our suiting, but that we're a service to anyone planning their wedding attire. And so the free trial is one way that we serve people, um, our customers, uh, and give them a great experience in wedding suit shopping and making it really convenient and affordable. Um, I mean, that's been a whole evolution for exact, like for what the free trial has looked like from like literally sending product out to anyone to now we have sort of a customized checkout that authorizes credit card information to make sure that, I mean, we once had, and this is like, you know, everybody has these stories when you're building a company, but we, <laughs> we once had a customer like we sent like hundreds of dollars worth of product and he had used a gift card that only had like $5 on it. And so it was like, mm. you know, you learn these things as you go. And um, so obviously our, that process become much more buttoned up and refined, but like we also now send free fabric swatches um, as another sort of point of engagement with customers planning their wedding style. And so there's like a whole sort of funnel of um, touch points that we've built uh, to bring people along in their wedding planning process. And then ultimately the final sort of service that we provide is a group um, group coordination. So typically our customers start out with like requesting free fabric swatches, then they could transition to like seeing a full suit in person, and then they're ready to register their group. And we've really identified and sort of streamlined this customer journey and built email flows um, and drips a lot that help kind of bring them along um, and just a whole series of communication that um, is supportive of like transitioning them from one stage to another. Mm. Yeah, I think the big lesson that I'm hearing from you here is that I think what I see sometimes entrepreneurs get stuck on is that they try to optimize like too early. And you had mentioned that you were not sophisticated. You just try to solve the problem in front of you, which was that people didn't trust that it was that it could be this price and still a, a great suit. Was this kind of mentality, this mindset of just trying your best and moving forward and getting something out there? And instead of trying to plan the perfect free trial, the ones that you, the, the kind of free trial system that you have set up today, was that on purpose or just like 
you know, I think, is it on purpose or was it just a certain, like, you know, coincidence? I think it was just out of necessity, right? Like, um, I will say starting when we started the company, it was really daunting to think about competing with all, uh, with other um, businesses that felt more sophisticated. Um, we would even say, well, how is this person doing a free trial and, um, you know, collect payment information. It doesn't, you know, we couldn't, we felt like it was really daunting, but I, Shopify is amazing in this, in the fact that, well, for multiple reasons, but the app store, it's incredible, right? So I, a lot of what we did early on was um, find really affordable, some free apps that allowed us to sort of piece together what our bigger vision was. And we always thought to ourselves, well, it was kind of the band-aid approach, right? We wanted to offer a sophisticated service, but we couldn't afford, you know, a really sophisticated custom platform. Um, and so we found our band-aids and we would just, you know, do some research about these amazing apps, connect them, play around with them. Some worked, some didn't. Um, but I do, you know, a great app for any um, any entrepreneur starting out that maybe is interested in a free trial free trial, offering a free trial option is the defer pay app. Um, it was wonderful in allowing, um, us to send a link to our customers that could fill out the payment information. We then securely stored it, sent them out their items. They would then get back to us about whether or not they wanted to keep them, what items they wanted to keep, what they wanted to return. And then we could go into that app and charge their card on file. And that worked really great for, you know, the, slow growth, uh, slow free trial requests in the beginning, as that started to become a really big thing for us, that's when we would sort of evolve that process and try to find something else that worked. Um, and at that point, you hope, you know, your volume is getting higher, your revenues are, are uh, higher as well, and you start to have a little bit more cash to play with. Um, and so that's really our philosophy with almost every service we provide. Um, and Shopify yeah. allowed us to do that. We never really have anything fully flushed out, <laughs> Felix. Like, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of founders and entrepreneurs get stuck is like feeling like it has to be 100% buffed out. You know, we really, I kind of joke with Jean, it's like, I've never been so okay with starting out and doing things like mediocre, like in a mediocre way. And <laughs> just like, because you know, we could have spent all this time building out the perfect free trial system and nobody would have taken advantage of it. And, and so and we would have spent so much time and resources and it's actually been a great philosophy for us as we've continue to build the business and like just test things like, you know, it, it's helped us expand our product category significantly because we like tested small quantities of like accessories to see how popular they were. And when we found out they were popular, then we would figure out how to produce them, you know, on a larger scale and everything like that. Yeah. I think, um, this idea of, of just be okay, starting out with it being mediocre is, is a great lesson. I think that the, the kind of issue is that it is counter to the ambitious nature of most entrepreneurs where they want everything to be amazing. So how do you know, I'm assuming this is kind of a muscle that you, you both have worked out over time. So how do you know now when it's good enough to, to, you know, kind of cut it off for now and then move on to move on to something else and then maybe come back later to try to improve it. So how do you know when it's good enough? I think we're always kind of analyzing. I think for us, 
everything comes back to numbers and profitability and, and conversion rates. So we are pretty data driven. Um, I think sometimes we're almost like a tech as much of a tech company as we are a retail company. And so we know, you know, what conversion rates are on all sorts of types of engagement. We also know that, um, kind of, like what the ROI is on various efforts. And so we're always quick to turn things off if they're not working. We've tested, I mean, especially with marketing, we've tested, we've released them. And, um, but then there are, but then there've been, honestly, we're, I think we're still in the phase where a lot of times what we're testing, especially from like a customer facing perspective is really interesting to customers and they do absorb it. I think the one, I think right now we're facing a very interesting um, situation where we rolled out virtual appointments during in March um, and those took off like crazy and they have become as popular or more popular than our actual physical showroom appointments. And that is something that we're still like, we're still watching very closely and I, we don't have a, we don't have an answer yet, but like, will that continue to be important or will that be something that we were, you know, reduce the time and resources on um, as people kind of get back to the way they used to shop and they like to go into showrooms? We don't know, you know, but like, that's, um, yeah, that's kind of how we, just, we, you know, we keep looking at things and analyzing and comparing them to other things that we have, like other avenues that we have going on and, um, we're still a pretty small team, so we don't have time to like continue something that's not bringing in value. Mm -hmm. Customers will tell you a lot about what you need to be doing better. So that's where we sort of, or, or if we're missing product and that's sort of what our sort of number one um, way of testing something is really just listening to the customers. If we feel like there's a gap in customer service, um, we, that's where we start to focus or a gap in product. If customers are, customers will ask us for things that we don't have on our website. And if we hear that enough, or we, we, uh, see that they're searching for certain keywords that we're, we're not um, providing a product for, that's really where we focus our time and energy because you already know that, um, it's something people want. Got it. So let's bring this all the way back to the beginning. So we mentioned earlier that the the business was started in 2016, I think off of the backs of a Kickstarter campaign. So tell us more about that. What was the Kickstarter campaign? What were the goals of that of that campaign? Yeah, the Kickstarter campaign was pretty uh, simple. We just wanted to sell, you know, 50 suits, I think was our goal. And that's, so the dollar amount was, I think, 7500 um, and we did very minimal marketing. So we put together a video, um, and then some package deals for people. Uh, and really we just wanted to know if people would buy a suit online, right? Because at the time, if you think back to 2016, suiting really wasn't a, um, suiting was something scary to buy online still because mm -hmm. sizing and fit is so is such a thing. Now you, you fast forward to today and everybody buys everything online. So it's not as scary, but that was a, that was the biggest question mark in our minds. Will people buy suiting online when, you know, there's millions of stores around the U S um, that sell suits that they can hop into. So um, we quickly realized that people do want to buy suiting online because we sold a hundred 
suits in 30 days and um, exceeded our goal by, I think we doubled um, what our goal was supposed to be. So that was an exciting moment for us. Got it. So once that Kickstarter campaign ended and sound like the main purpose of it was to validate that people were comfortable buying suits online, especially for a, a special occasion. What was mm-hmm. the, the next step after that once you were, you got the, it says here, $11,000 uh, pledged from about, about, you know, selling those hundred suits. What was the next step? Yeah. So we had to get a website. To, I mean, we had, we had already started a website, but we had some things that we wanted to kind of buff out. And that's when we started our website on Shopify, our store. And so it was, I think in May when we, we, the Kickstarter ended in March. And so it was in like end of April, early May, by the time we really launched our full fledged website. And it's been crazy. I mean, we have, I think we have a really, I like, I mean, I, we've worked really hard to, and, but I think we've also gotten lucky in a lot of ways. Jean and I, um, have been childhood best friends. I was at that wedding that she had. I was actually in that wedding that she had the tuxedo trouble. And she was all, she, she neglected to say this, but she was also the one returning everything the day after her own wedding, which was like a real aha moment. And so it was just great timing that we were both in a place in our lives where we could join forces on this and, um, when we launched the full-fledged website in May of 2016, I mean, we've really been scrambling to keep up with it. Um, we've, you know, grown to be a multi-million dollar company in a couple short years. And um, I think, you know, we, in 2018, we were facing the problem that, you know, everybody's like, oh, this is a great problem to have. But like, we were literally selling out of everything we had, which was like not, which was also very stressful. And so, um it's been quite the journey and um, we, we now have, you know, 10 employees and a uh, f- fulfillment center and, and are just, you know, continuing to grow. And like we've evolved the brand to offer not only men's suiting, but we also now offer women's, which we're really proud about because women are, um, you know, wanting an alternative to a wedding dress or a bridesmaid's dress. So um, it's been really fun. Mm-hmm. So after that Kickstarter campaign, how did you guys get your your first customers? Yeah, that's a uh, that was um, well. Diana could probably speak to that more, but we it was really grassroots, um, sharing with our friends and family, and then you know you go to the to the source of you know who who are the leaders in weddings, and that's those are your wedding planner professionals and photographers and these people that are in constant contact and interaction with engaged couples. So, you know, Diana was sitting at the table emailing hundreds of thousands of wedding planners (laughs) and industry professionals. And we just basically said, can we send you a suit? Can we send you a suit and, uh, or swatches, or can I hop on a call with you? And, you know, Diana is the most outgoing, bubbly, friendly personality and, she really connected with so many of these planners who are still in our network today and refer us consistent weddings. Um, and that was really, that was really the driver for the volume of, um, orders and referrals we got early on. And then what happens is as you outfit these wedding parties and you provide this really personalized customer service, the guys just love it. And they have such a good experience that, that, 
they share that with their friends or when they then get married, they use us again. And so we have this incredible network effect and kind of a viralness, natural viral uh, scenario mm-hmm. where we didn't pay for marketing. We just had to treat our, our customers really good. Yeah, I think we kind of like looked at each other and were like, well, we have no marketing dollars. <laughs> so what can we do? We can email thousands of wedding planners. And also, you know, we, I think, made the right decision early on to focus on SEO because, again, have no marketing dollars. What is the gift that keeps on giving website traffic? So if you can slowly start that ball rolling of, you know, gaining strength and important keywords. And we did a ton, we've done a ton of blogging and um, writing for even other, other websites to backlink to us. Um, But I think the biggest thing too was the network effect that we didn't, that Jean mentioned that we didn't really anticipate. Got it. So just to kind of recap that the network effect that was kicked off by you getting in front of these or rather getting your product in the hands of these, uh, these, these couples that were getting married and their, their groomsmen and bridesmaids were seeing the great product you're putting out there. So they obviously would want it for their weddings too, or at least would have a top of mind when someone in their network was talking about it. But that started first by you kind of just hustling and reaching out to cold emailing, sounded like uh, to, to these uh, wedding planners uh, to get those referrals. Um, so what was your approach here? I think that this is a really important point because sometimes I think the approach when people who are first getting started is that they think they have to win a customer one by one, but you found ways to kind of win people that had audiences or, or not audiences, but actual clients that were your kind of you know ideal clients as well. So how did you approach them when you found like a wedding planner that that would have been a good fit? Yeah. So, I mean, um, we, when we looked at like, okay, we know who our audience is, but who are the people that influence that audience? Like who, if we, cause we can't pay, we, we don't have the brand visibility yet and we can't pay to put ads in front of that audience directly, but we can build relationships with, influencers of that audience. We can build relationships with that audience directly through expos, wedding expos, through our current customers that we have that refer us to their friends. Like we can build those relationships within that audience, but then there's like a periphery of relationships that we can build. And that was with the wedding planner industry. And for wedding planners, I think suiting is not a sexy like thing to help their their couples plan. It's like, it's a necessary thing. Mm -hmm. And it's, Definitely sloppy suiting has the power to like ruin wedding photos, but it's not like the dress. It's not the venue. And so for us, we really realized with wedding planners, it's like if we can make the wedding planner feel comfortable with who they're handing their the guys over to in the wedding party, who they're giving suiting to, to make sure that those guys just show up and they look great on the wedding day. Like we have one one with them for a lifetime. And so, um, yeah, we just, I mean, literally we have relationships from that first year that we have great wedding planners that we love that we've never even met face to face, but, you know, are so happy with how we help their wedding parties look on the day of the wedding that it's just enough, um, for them. Hey, Real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. 
Makes sense. So let's take it back to a couple of things you mentioned too, which was around SEO. I think this is a topic that a lot of entrepreneurs know or is beneficial, but it just seems kind of daunting, highly technical, or it takes a long time to kind of get that payoff. Did either of you have experience with SEO before you got started? Nope, not a single. We ordered some SEO for dummies books. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just like we're learning, you know. I mean, really, Jean Jean had the fashion background, but and I had some some business background. But like, as far as like build like web development and tech, like that's really we we learned as we went along. And I think that the key for us there was we really identified. You know, we just started small. We identified twenty keywords that would be great for us if we started ranking well for them and we doubled down on those in blogging in like way we, you know, in the, what we called our company in our website on our, and then, you know, once we, I think it was by October, we started showing up on the first page for those, you know, a few important keywords, groomsmen suits, wedding suits, and then we could like slowly evolve and expand um, the keywords that we were targeting. And then we, you know, became more sophisticated in identifying a structure of keywords that, you know, certain keywords we were focusing on certain pages and it's just gone from there. Got it. So when you mentioned you found keywords that you wanted to double it down on that you thought would be great, kind of, you know, high, high value traffic to bring to your site. Uh, for people out there that don't know much about SEO, what's the first step then once you've identified some keywords that will work really well, for, that will bring the right kind of traffic to your site? How do you actually tactically create the, 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 the plan or what is the plan or what is the, the things you do day to day to make sure that you rank for those keywords? Yeah, well, I would say if I could do it over again, because now I know so much more, I think the strategy would be we looked at competitors, we looked at, you know, we took we knew what we wanted to be and who our audience was and how they were searching. And so we looked at a whole range of um, keywords and like, you really have to find the keywords that a make the most sense for your brand. And B, might not be so hard to start ranking for. So there's like a competitive score that you can, that can help you identify. So I think, you know, looking for some of those maybe lesser competitive words early on to start ranking for. But then, you know, if I could go back and do it, I would have looked at, at our website. And I would have taken all of our pages that we have, all of our sort of collection pages, all of our product pages, all of our, you know, even from our about us page to our contact page. And I would have just allocated a specific two, two keywords to each page that I would have that I would have written body copy around that I would have maybe rejiggered the page title to be specific for to the alternative text on the photos to the meta description. Like if I, now I know, and we have gone back and done this, but like if I would have made come up with a framework of keywords to target for each page and then made all of those various components on each page align, I think we would have even had more SEO strength uh, success, but we've done very well. I mean, we're four years in and we're pushing like 80 to a hundred thousand visitors a month to our website, which I think we're pretty proud of for not spending much in doing that and doing a lot of it internally. 
Makes sense. So you mentioned too that you did uh, writing for other websites, basically like guest blogging. Is this something, is this still a strategy that you employ today? Yeah, definitely. Backlinks are huge. Um, being an expert on your product is huge. And the way you do that is by contributing to you know other other platforms when they want to write about wedding suiting, you know, we need to be the person that's giving them information. Mm -hmm. Can you say more about that? How, if, especially for someone that's just starting out that doesn't have like a, a recognizable brand yet, you know, back in the day when you were doing this for the first time, this guest blogging, first of all, how do you find these websites or these platforms that, uh, that would, uh, would be a good fit for, for, for getting a backlink from? Yeah, I mean, very simply, it was with our wedding planners. You know, all the wedding planners that we were reaching out to, most of them all have their own websites. And they're they're so interested in adding content to their own personal blog pages. And oftentimes what they don't have is like men's wedding style guides. <laughs> so it was very attractive for them, for us yeah. to be able to say, we will write something for your website. Like, let us write a little tip about, you know, X, Y, and Z. And like, obviously we hyperlink the groomsman suit in that. And, um, and so that was like super easy. I mean, especially for these smaller influencers, um, sort of like grassroots micro influencer group, if you will, like they love getting content that you'll provide to them. It becomes a little bit, and then, you know, as you build more brand recognition, then you can go to like, the big websites, the big wedding platforms, the big wedding publications and say, you know, you'll be more recognizable and you'll be a bigger brand to be that expert for them um, on wedding suiting. So, I mean, mm -hmm. we started small, but I mean, we'd still pitch it to the big, the big brands too. And they'd shoot us down in the beginning, but, but we, you know, we would also offer to send them product. And eventually like we worked our way into having good relationships with editors and stuff. Yeah, certainly the name of the game. So I uh, just, just get understanding of like the kind of work, the kind of hustle that's involved in this. Like how many blogs or guest blogs were, were you, were you, or were you as a team writing? Yeah, Gene and I, I mean, Gene, it's funny. Gene's writing a lot of them now. Um, hundreds. We've written hundreds. Um, our blog, we have some blog pages that, you know, we've written like what to wear as a wedding guest. And that is a blog that a blog topic that brings in several thousand visitors to our website a month. Um, people search that and they want to know as a guest, how do they wear it? So, and it, well, the conversion of that that visit isn't super high, it puts our brand in front of a, our, our demographic. I mean, probably, hopefully, we hope, a lot of people who haven't gotten married yet um, that are looking to find something to wear to their friend's wedding, they come across this helpful tip on our website, and then they remember us when it's time for their wedding. And mm -hmm. I think if you... It, you know, it's daunting, I think, for a lot of it, it was for myself, like Diana did the vast majority of the writing to start. And if you're not really, a, if you don't, you know, think of yourself as a great writer, it can be very intimidating to start writing articles about different topics and posting them on your blog. But um, if you just start once a week and decide at the beginning of the week what the topic is you want to talk about. And then, you know, it doesn't have to be a really long article. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's going back to that when we were talking about, you know, not worrying about perfection and just 
understanding that this is part of the process and you'll get better and better at it. You know, it was hard to sort of think of topics at the beginning. And now like every day, a topic will pop up um, that we feel like we need to write about just based on a customer question. So we started, I think, with two two articles a week, maybe one a week, and then it grew and grew and grew. Right now we try to do um, at least one a week. And then we have, we now have uh, reach out to, to writers um, of complimentary businesses, wedding planners, even fitness experts that maybe want to write a blog for us, mm-hmm. um, for, for them. We've even built out an entire program to allow us to advertise sort of these services that we offer of either co co writing a blog or sharing blogs on our website from other people. And it's called our insider program. And that, um, you know, developed over the years of realizing that we have, um, services outside of our just fulfilling customer orders and coordinating groups. We actually have, you know, we offer, um, suit loans to wedding planners and photographers that want to do styled shoots. And that's a huge part of the industry is just providing product to these people that are just creating beautiful content. And we get to be part of that. Um, and half the time people are so thrilled to realize that they don't have to purchase a suit for a one-time styled shoot with a model that they've hired. And these are expenses that those professionals deal with um, and we're alleviating that um, that stress for them and then also sharing their beautiful photos that they share with us afterwards so it's kind of a neat way to where we've we've now managed those relationships in a little bit more formal of a way and get get people to sign up on our insider professional insider program Got it. Now, you mentioned to me, I think before we started recording that you've seen 300% growth year over year. And one of the key tenants or one of the key focuses that you have as a business is to focus on profitability. So things like making sure you can get the marketing you need through SEO without having to need, without requiring a budget. What do you think has helped you? What other things do you think has helped you maintain profitability as you're, you scale up the business? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had to spend a lot of money on marketing. Um, Jean and I are pretty frugal. <laughs> we grew up, you know, pretty, you know, in a small town in Michigan. Um, and so we, you know, we've never been accustomed to spending a ton of money um, on anything. And so we, together, I, you know, we like to do um, the most we can with less. And so um, the fact that we haven't had to burn a ton of our budget in marketing and growing, like to grow this business to get sales is truly the key to our profitability. And let me tell you, being a profitable business these days, especially a young e-commerce company is very rare and it pays off in so many other ways down the road. Um, but, you know, and I think too, you ha- as you're starting your business, you really have to be cognizant of what you, what you are spending in marketing and what your return on investment is there because it is really it's a slippery slope and it's really easy to see be like I the more money I spend the more sales I'm going to get but if you are having to spend a ton of money in marketing just to get sales, then you really have to ask yourself, like, is this good product market fit? Like, am I building a business? Did I create something that is truly wanted? Or am I just 
spending money to make people want it. Um, and so I think we got really lucky with that like, early on and, and not needing to spend that, that money. Now we're in the place that we want. We've done a lot of testing. We have some cash. Like now we're in the place where we are spending more money in marketing and it's, but our, our, our returns are amazing. Like anybody that any agency that we work with are, is always like super impressed with the average return we're getting on social ads or paid advertising. Um, because, you know, we've kind of organically like work built into that. Mm, makes sense. Have there been things that you spent money on so far in terms of marketing that just didn't work at the time? Yeah. I mean, I think we've tested some various things on social that have been kind of hit or miss. We're a weird brand because, I mean, we've worked with, we've tested different agencies that just weren't a great fit for us because we are a weird brand in the sense that like, we don't do sales. We don't offer discounts um, to get customers. We are, because we're sort of a single lifetime purchase. I mean, we do have repeat, repeat purchases when their friend, when people share us with their friends and then they're in their wedding and then they need another suit because they're a groomsman. And, but, um, we don't have the luxury of offering major discounts, uh, to get that first sale and then hoping we'll be profitable on the second or third purchase. And that's tough for a lot of marketing, um, companies and a lot of marketing techniques to wrap their head around, um, everybody likes to do like 10% off to join our mailing list and like all the stuff. And it's like, we can't do that. So we've, um, we've, I think we've learned a lot of like who we can and can't work with. And, um, so yeah, yeah it's really easy. I, and for anyone starting out, it's very easy to get caught up in the hype of, um, maybe talking to a marketing expert or an agency. And, um, you know, we used to, get on calls with different agencies and hear these huge budget numbers and promises of ROI. And those I think are where we feel the biggest disappointment is anytime it sounds a little too good to be true, or you feel like it might be a stretch is when you kind of want to say, well, you know, go to the tried and true thing, build, build your business up in little increments. What we've always thought is, one profitable sale is better than 500 that are non-profit, you know, unprofitable because actually then have cash to use to then make another sale and build on that. So it's like, you just have to really think, is this, is, am I just trying to throw money at this to feel like it's growing fast enough? Or is this, $5 ad spend investment going to make me 10 and then I can spend that 10 and make 20. So it's, that's really where our head has been. And social media has been great for us at that because you can sort of have whatever small or large budget you like and grow it um, intentionally, as opposed to just kind of like jumping ahead to these huge ad spends that you feel like you might have to do just to compete. And it's just not necessary. 
Got it. And one thing you mentioned to us too was about how because you're such a kind of customer, a, 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 a almost like word of mouth referral based business where people are seeing your your product out there. You've built basically a really customer service based company and focus on you, you mentioned to us exceeding expectations. Can you say more about that? Like what are certain ways that you have found successful in terms of succeed or exceeding your customers' expectations? Yeah, I think um we just every every point of contact we've just tried to make really high touch um early on when diana and i were talking to every single customer personally through our email accounts or over the phone um we realized uh that you know men are really underserved when it comes to to going through this experience of getting suited up for weddings so with very little effort of creating a good experience, which just had to do with following up, giving them sizing assistance um, when they weren't really sure what size to order, uh, fast and free shipping, um, fast and free exchanges for sizing. Just being there when a customer reaches out and responding quickly is worth everything. So we really made it a point to make sure that we responded very quickly to any kind of customer outreach so that they got that instant um, response and felt like there's a real person behind this company. They're not going to forget about my order. Um, I ordered the wrong size. I feel bad, but now I need a rut to, you know, I need somebody to rush me a new one, overnight it. We, so as far, we just decided we were going to go above and beyond because every happy customer would lead to, more referrals and this natural, um, you know, network effect that we, that we always just have relied on from a marketing perspective. So it really, you can start it small, but by just replying to customers quickly and then taking every unique scenario, um, and kind of not blanketing your customer service policy. So we've had cases where a customer, um, was on the way to the wedding, probably the night before on a train with his suit, left it on, left it on the train. You know, in those moments, you kind of have to decide um, what you're going to do for that customer. And in a lot of cases, you would say, you know, I can overnight it to you for a fee, but you have to purchase a whole whole new suit and track down that other suit if you want a refund. And we just decided what would we want, how would we want to be treated in that moment? And how would that impact this one customer's experience working with us. And so those are the moments where we said, okay, we'll overnight you the suit. You'll have it tomorrow. And you follow up with the train station and try to track down that suit. <laughs> and that's, that did everything. Yeah. Us. It's like a couple hundred dollars that that costs us, but it's like endless amount of like customer love. Um, so, you know, as we realized like, oh my God, what really, what are how, what are customers responding to? You know, Jean and I were like, we're just being nice, <laughs> but like then we realized, like, oh yeah, you know, we we've been able to automate some of this, not in an in a fake way, but like we've realized customers really love the fact that they do feel like there are people taking care of their guys, and they will catch things like their guys forgetting to order a vest or ordering the wrong color. And so 
that peace of mind that we've also been able to give our customers is another level of service that we've been able to build some technology around. And like, that's our wedding group coordination system that couples can set their group up in and literally like let it, let it be. And we will send the reminders. We will follow up. We will, there's always a straggler, like they don't have to worry about it. We're on it. And um, so it's been, yeah, it's been pretty fun to, you know, evolve how we're supporting our customers. Yeah. So speaking of um, evolving the way you're supporting your customers, you had mentioned earlier that you're now doing these kind of virtual appointments. Tell us more about that. How does it work? Yeah. So um, when our showrooms were shutting down in March because of COVID, so we have showroom in Chicago, Philly, and Denver. Um, you know, and I will say like when we, when we were starting this company out of our New York apartments, Gene and I like never really thought we would have showrooms. Like we always wanted this to be an online experience and a great online option. But, um, as we kind of grew and we had good people in different cities, we took the opportunity to put like a very small physical showroom. And anyway, so when those were shutting down, we, you know, knew that we still wanted to connect with our customers. Like it is truly the part of our, about the business that we love. And um, I don't know, maybe we were going stir crazy too in our, in our homes (laughs) in Chicago, but like we just needed that customer. We needed to rebuild that customer connection. And so we launched the virtual appointment and, um, just as a way to, we we hoped, we didn't know how impo- uh, popular they would be, but we hoped that, you know, despite this pandemic, people still wanted to plan their weddings and that they would, they knew that eventually their large group gatherings would be permitted again. And so, um, but we also knew that people had more time maybe at home and they weren't going out as much and they like might have a little break during their work day because a lot of everybody's working from home. And so, um, we rolled that out and they have just become incredibly popular. And it's actually allowed us to expand our our range of customers that we're able to like sort of physically, quote unquote, connect with, um, you know, see their faces. And we've taken appointments with couples from, from, you know, the East Coast to Hawaii. And so we've we've brought the brand into people's homes in, in a really special way. That's awesome. Now, are there certain tools or apps that you use to set that up or just in general, any other kind of apps that you use to run the business? So many apps. Gene probably knows best, but I, Calendly we use for our bookings um, and our customer service all is filtered through Zendesk. Um, but Gene, you were just talking to a really great new app today. Yeah, well, I mean, apps have been like, you know, our thing (laughs) for solving problems. Um, But as far as the virtuals are concerned, like it it can be, it's very simple to connect with people. As long as you have a calendar, they can book book their appointment online. And then we just use a, you know, Google Hangout um, link to to click in and everybody kind of has their calendar to, to manage that. So that's been super easy. Um, yeah, like we do use a ton of apps and, um, Zendesk has been a really, really wonderful customer service tool. Like Diana mentioned, um, we love Clavio for our email marketing, um, you know, uh, various, 
Yeah, oh, we love we love defer pay as a way to sort of early on as a way to sort of capture payment outside of the traditional checkout process. Um, so we've and and even even like little apps to make your um, you know shipping slips when you ship an order. There's apps to kind of like design out your shipping forms, which really really help from a branding perspective. Um, you know, collecting sales tax is a real thing and you've got to set up your sales tax with, uh, we used Avalara, um, to collect our sales tax. So we are big app people and we're always kind of poking in on that Shopify app store to, to figure out ways that we can kind of fine tune our processes. I will say we have Shopify, you know, when you get to the point where you have a great volume of orders and you're really looking for that next level support. Support um, Shopify Plus is something that we moved on to uh, once we felt like, okay, we're ready for that next stage of development and having that flexibility. And Shopify Plus has been so excellent for being, you know, giving us the tools to build out some custom customizations because every business is unique and every business will have that unique thing where piecing together a few apps works for a little while, but then you really need to build out something more sophisticated. And that's sort of, you need to decide when that point happens for your business. And um, that's when sort of Shopify Plus comes in as a great tool. Awesome. So the groomsmansuit.com is a website and I'll leave you to this last question. What was the biggest lesson that you've learned as a business recently over the last year that's had an impact on the direction that you're now taking the business moving forward? Our biggest lesson and our biggest suggestion is really that profitability. Focus on profitability. Um, we've run into, in the last um, 18 months, we've just, we've hit some major moments um relying on you know a fulfillment center and relying on our physical showrooms for store traffic and you realize um you know you do need to make sure that you are a profitable business to overcome you know moments of struggle which are going to happen and it's inevitable that you're going to hit a hiccup um, and so being that healthy, profitable business from the start has been the key for us to get through those moments. And then, you know, especially COVID, um, a lot of businesses are struggling. We, we have struggled through it, but because of the way, because we run our business so, um, intentionally, you know, to keep that profitability on every sale, we, we have survived, um, COVID, we will survive COVID and we'll come out stronger for it. So that would be our, that would be my number one. Diana may want to add something else. Yeah, I think, um, no, I think that's been key. I mean, it's just led to so much, given us so much leverage in so many different situations. And when we say we're profitable, I mean, we're profitable, but we're not like millions of dollars profitable. Like we're, but we're in black and like, that is significantly important. Um, I think too, you know, as we've gotten to be a little bit more mature, um, there is no one right way of doing things. I think it's, it's so hard. I mean, I went to a business, so I went to MIT Sloan for business school and like, I, back, you know, back then it was like, you're, your startup was like only as good as like how much money you could fundraise. And like, you had to 
follow this track. And like, it was very much like, um, there's like a lot of kind of hype and like competition too, about like what stage were you at and like all this stuff. And like, honestly, none of that matters. Like you, you can really carve out your own path as far as like what type of business you're creating. You don't have to do, I mean, there are some common scenarios around like how you fundraise, but, and like, or how you, or founders agreements, like what you start off with a founder agreement can, can evolve. It's not totally locked in place. Um, your business is yours to work on and guide. And like, and as you go along now, I think G and I are in this place where like, nobody knows our business better than we do. But like in the beginning years, it was like, you, you know, you would get approached by marketing companies that would try to tell you that they knew your business better than you. And so I like love where we're at in this sort of like, we feel really empowered and we're making the best decisions now possible because like we're confident in what we've built and it's happened over time. But, um, I would say, you know, don't let anybody tell you what your business has to be you, you figure that out and, you know, listen to like what the market is telling you and listen to what customers are telling you. Customers will tell you everything you need to know about your business. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Those, those lessons. I think it's, it's been a, a great ride for, for both of you. And it, it totally makes sense how you've been able to kind of just, 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 just get started is kind of the key thing and don't be so tired of been trying to make it perfect. So appreciate you both coming on. Thank you so much, Jean and Diana, for sharing your story. Thank you. This has been fun. Thanks, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.